A high-ranking Pentagon official makes a wild claim about a UFO mothership. The birds aren't real. Conspiracy theories become conspiracy fact. And the dumbest quote of the day. You're watching, listening to the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. If something's going on with my video quality today, if it's jumpy or freezing, I apologize. Something's going on with my computer, and I haven't been able to figure out why it's running really slow. So my apologies for that. Top story, for me anyway, it's all about UFOs, and I like that subject. This is from Politico. The guy who is in charge of the Pentagon's effort to investigate Unexplained Aerial Phenomenon, UAPs, formerly known as UFOs, has co-authored an academic paper that claims that the recent uptick in UAP sightings by military pilots could actually be alien probes from a mothership sent down to study Earth. That's right. That's the general takeaway from this paper from the head of the Pentagon's all-domain Anomaly Resolution Office, an office that was commissioned last year at the end of 2022 to study these very phenomena. The guy's name who heads up this office is Sean Kirkpatrick, and the guy is no slouch, I have to tell you. He's no spooky molder. He has his own bio page in the Department of Defense website, and because of the gravity of the claims he's making, or lack thereof, if you know what I mean, I'm going to tell you what his background is. At least some of it. The dude has worked at the highest levels of the intel community for decades, skipping forward through the 90s, starting in 2003. He was offered a program manager position in the National Reconnaissance Office and converted to the CIA in 2005, whatever that means. That's what the DOD page says. In 2007, he was assigned as chief technology officer in a joint CIA-DIA, which is Defense Intelligence Agency program office, where he later became division chief as a DIA officer. In 2010, he was asked to serve as the Space Control Portfolio Manager for the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense Space and Intelligence Office of the Secretary of Defense. There are verbose titles he holds there. It goes on, skipping forward a little bit. From 2016 to his, to his current assignment, Dr. Kirkpatrick served in a variety of no-fail roles, including Deputy Director of Intelligence, U.S. Strategic Command, Director of National Security Strategy, National Security Council, Deputy Director of Intelligence, and the DNI representative for U.S. Spacecom. The U.S. Spacecom Enterprise was the fifth organization he had been the IC lead for establishment. His most recent assignment was as Chief Scientist at DIA's Missile and Space Intelligence Center. It's quite a resume. No fail roles, by the way. The guy who published this paper. A lot of no fail roles. He's also won many awards, not going to list them all, but one is he was DIA director, he won the DIA Director's Award for Excellence. He also holds two open patents, and he's contributed to several scientific books on nonlinear phenomenon, as well as written multiple strategies for the national and defense intelligence communities. And he's an adjunct professor at UGA. The patents that he holds appears to be three, I guess only two of them are open, whatever that means, but one of them, actually two of them, are titled System and Method for Determining Influence of Open Channels and Social Networks. Interesting. Abstract says a social media service and platform generates an improved measure of influence based on measures of purchases of fans made in response to content appearing on influencers channel on an influencer's channel. 
The improved influencer score addresses a problem that conventional influence scores are often unreliable uh, at doing due to the use of bots and other techniques to artificial artificially increase the number of fans and likes on an influencer's channel. So trying to find genuine influencers, I guess, is the idea there. Interestingly, he has a patent that. The third patent he has says holographic recording and micro nano fabrication via holographic two photon induced, I can't even say the final word, photopolymeseration, I think is what it is. The point is the guy is no slouch, okay? The guy making these claims. He's actually a lifelong intelligence officer. So keep that in your mind. And the guy that he's working with and he co-wrote the paper with is a theoretical physicist and Harvard professor of science named Abraham Avi Loeb. Probably said that wrong, L-O-E-B. And this guy was sworn in as a member of President Biden's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology in June of 2020. And in 2021, he founded the Galileo Project for the Systemic Scientific Search for Evidence of Extraterrestrial Technology Artifacts, which was inspired by the 2017 discovery of, I didn't look this word up before the show, so I'm going to spell it, O-U-M-U-A-M-U-A, the first interstellar object detected passing through our solar system. He discovered it. Those are the two guys writing the paper, okay? To be clear, we have a career intel officer who heads a Pentagon program and a guy who is a member of Biden's Science and Technology Advisory Board claiming in a paper that these UAPs, which seemingly defy all physics, could actually be probes from an alien mothership. High-ranking government officials saying that those fast-moving blips that we've seen only on radar of these military planes are extraterrestrial probes from a parent craft. That's what this story is. It's a little out there, yet it's backed by such credentials, which is the interesting thing to me. I don't believe for a second that that is what these blips on the radar that we've seen are. I'll tell you what I think they're more likely to be after we go through what they claim in this paper. And after I tell you what else is coincidentally going on this week in Congress, Let's get to the rest of the story first. According to Politico, more than half of the five-page papers devoted to this possibility of the mothership, with one section titled The Extraterrestrial Possibility and another titled The Propulsion Methods. They talk a lot in the news about this, about how we don't understand the type of propulsion methods that the, these pilots have seen, which I think there's actually a pretty good explanation for that, which I will get to. The paper explains that Interstellar objects, such as the cigar-shaped Oumuamua, which is that O-U-M-U-A-M-U-A word, that first interstellar object that scientists spotted flying through the galaxy in 2017, could potentially be a parent craft that releases many smaller probes during its close passage to Earth. The paper goes on to compare the probes to dandelion seeds that could be separated from the parent craft by the sun's gravitational force and it examines the physics of how smaller craft could move through the Earth's atmosphere to reach the surface, where they could be then be spotted by humans. Although seemingly only on a radar from Navy pilots. As for the purpose of such a journey, the paper says, 
In analogy with actual dandelion seeds, the probes could propagate the blueprint of their senders. As with biological seeds, the raw materials of the plants of the planet's surface could also be used by them as nutrients for self-replication or simply scientific exploration. I believe the implication there would be that not the uh, exploration one, but would be that the aliens would be reproducing themselves on Earth using these probes. Interesting angle. The paper then says that it's important to note that given the time scales associated with the propulsion scheme discussed here, it is unreasonable to assert that the intention of any such probe launched in the far distant pa- past has anything to do with the human species. More likely, and similar to NASA's missions, the goal would be scientific and exploratory in nature. That's an interesting thought that it was launched far long ago, perhaps even before we existed, which you kind of flip that thought and it makes, you know, puts it in perspective, launching to the moon and other places. Maybe we expect that there were, there was life on these planets. I know they talk about that, but... The whole replication part is still a a, a little bit creepy with those probes. The authors do acknowledge in the paper that they do not know for sure that there are functioning extraterrestrial crafts near Earth, but the Galileo Project, which is what Loeb, his privately funded academic effort, it will be investigating that possibility according to this paper. Okay, now with that said, coincidentally, tomorrow... Wednesday, April 19th, 2023, at 10.30 a.m., this Kilpatrick guy, or Kirkpatrick, is it Kilpatrick? I think it's Kirkpatrick, the head of the Pentagon's AI, uh, Dominion Anomaly Resolution Office, happens to be testifying publicly before the Senate Subcommittee on Emerging Threats and Capabilities. It's a, you can watch it on TV or you can watch it on the internet. The goal of the hearing is said to be to receive testimony on the AARO's mission uh, oversight and budget, and he's the only person listed as testifying. Now, the AARO, again, that's that office that was established in 2022, I think in December, and this guy's ahead of it, that is assigned to investigate these unidentified phenomena, the UAPs. What's going on here? What is going on? Why are we seeing the story? Obviously, I think this guy is going to request more funding given the nature of, of this hearing. And I think that is probably also why the news of this paper that these two co-wrote uh, was put in front of us when it was, to drum up some intrigue in the public and then also in those who are in that congressional committee. So they are primed for a funding request, in my opinion, more likely to grant a funding request because of that intrigue. Now, does that mean that he's not like looking for extraterrestrials or that he doesn't think this is extraterrestrial? No, not necessarily. I personally do not believe for a second that these tic-tac-shaped crafts that defy all physics that we know are extraterrestrial in nature, the thing that they're investigating. I don't think that they are. I believe in aliens. I do. I know some people think that aliens are demons. Possibly. I'm pretty open to, to different ideas about what is in space beyond us. I just think we have such a tiny understanding of this universe that we live in that I don't think we have a good explanation for it. And so I, think, I don't think we can rule out 
aliens, and I don't rule them out. I don't think this is aliens at all. What I think it's more likely is I think that these sightings that have been seen on these radar blips by Navy pilots that all of this stuff is investigating, allegedly anyway, I believe they're more likely a result of cognitive electronic warfare. I played this clip for Patreon subscribers last Thursday. I'm going to play it again because it's relevant right now because this is being put in front of us for a reason. I think it could be connected to China in the long run, but... This is from DARPA TV, and this is Dr. Dana Fitzgerald. She is a principal researcher, research engineer at Georgia Tech. Interesting that we have a UGA connection in this guy that heads up this Pentagon program. And then we have a Georgia Tech connection in this clip that I'm about to play you from DARPA TV. Two rival schools with competing explanations as to what these UAPs slash UFOs might be. Although the Georgia Tech lady isn't speaking in the context of UFOs, UAPs, I'm applying what she says to this context. Here's the clip. So what is electronic warfare? It's simple. It's the idea of being able to control the electromagnetic spectrum for our own nefarious purposes. Now, you might ask me, Dana, why? Why do you feel the need to control the electromagnetic spectrum? What is the adversary doing in that spectrum that makes you feel the need to disrupt it, to control it? That's simple as well. The adversary is typically using the electromagnetic spectrum in order to sense its surroundings, in order to gain a good situational awareness picture. All right, so you might picture it this way. I'm sitting on a fighter jet and I'm flying into enemy territory. I'm flying towards a ground-based system of my adversary. Inevitably, military grade, it has a set of radars on it. Their entire purpose is to be able to scan their surroundings to gain a situational awareness picture. They're there to detect large flying metal objects coming towards them like mine. They immediately see me, they recognize I am hostile, and they shoot me down. I can't perform my mission. So instead, we think of a different scenario, scenario two. In this case, I decide to equip my fighter jet with an electronic warfare payload. Now I fly into this scenario, and my adversary is confused. I've used my electronic warfare payload to disrupt the spectrum to make them think I'm not there. I can also make them think I'm there, but in a completely different location. I've confused them, I've managed to get in, perform my mission, and get out safely. This is electronic warfare at its core. That's electronic warfare at its core, she says. Nefariously disrupting enemy radar so that they can't make sense of their surroundings. Make the enemy planes appear to be one place and then all of a sudden in another place. That's pretty interesting and that sounds exactly like what these pilots who saw these blips on radars were describing. Does it not? These UFO, UAP sightings? Doesn't that sound exactly like what they've been telling us that they've been like, I mean, that doesn't mean it's the explanation, but sure seems like something worthy of asking about, doesn't it? Like, shouldn't we ask, are weapons of cognitive electronic warfare being tested on our military pilots? If we're not doing it, is it possible that someone else is doing it? Or that perhaps somebody here is doing it Potentially maybe thinking about blaming someone else. I I don't know. That question should come up if cognitive electronic warfare, if our pilots are are test subjects for that. If that doesn't come up at this hearing, then this is not a serious hearing. I I mean, 
I'll say it again. I, I believe aliens probably exist. I just don't believe that that's what's going on here. Now, does this career intel guy who's going to be the only witness at this hearing on Wednesday, does he actually believe that an extraterrestrial mothership is seeding Earth with alien probes? I can't read his mind, but if I had to bet, probably not. Now, maybe he does believe aliens are out there, and maybe he sees this as an opportunity to draw intrigue to gain more funding so he can go search for the aliens he believes are actually there. I I don't know. Either way, I think it's probably about funding, among other things. Let's be a bummer about the whole UFO alien possibility. I'm a believer in it. I want to believe. Just don't think this is it. All right. I'd like to interview this guy, honestly. He is a professor, adjunct professor. Is that like part-time at UGA? I guess he probably spends the rest of his time in... uh, Arlington, Virginia out there, hanging out outside the CIA. I don't know. I don't know that he'd want to do an interview with me. I'll look into it. Next story. I'm not going to talk too much about the Fox News versus Dominion defamation case. Not today, anyway, except to highlight the dumbest quote of the day, which comes from a professor of constitutional law at George Washington University named Catherine Ross. Speaking about the case, she told Axios that, in her opinion... A Fox victory would open society up to a return to what used to be referred to as yellow journalism. The yellow journalism of the 19th century, she said exactly, like the Hearst newspapers that led to wars. For those wondering, the Oxford Dictionary describes yellow journalism as journalism that is based upon sensationalism and crude exaggeration. The State Department has a similar definition defining yellow journalism as a style of newspaper reporting that emphasizes sensationalism over facts. And Wikipedia says that yellow journalism and yellow press are American terms for journalism and associated newspapers that present little or no legitimate, well-researched news while using eye-catching headlines for increased sales instead. Saying the media could return to yellow journalism is like saying Hunter Biden could return to a whorehouse. You can't actually return to something you never left. And Professor Ross here either knows this and is partaking in a bit of yellow journalism herself, or she's a doofus. Okay, before we get to the final story of the day, which is going to be about dead birds being turned into drones... I want to tell you what we're going to talk about in the DMBXR, the subscriber-only portion of the show, which is Bellingcat's war on the alternative media, as well as what their surprising role, surprisingly large role, actually, in the Russia-Ukraine war could be. If you want to get access to that subscriber-only portion of the show, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and subscribe there today. What you will get is the drive-time news, news blast, this show, ad-free, combined with the XR into one RSS feed, a private RSS feed that you can pop into any podcast player app and listen to the shows together ad-free. I take out the ads for subscribers, and you'll be helping me support and continue the show. So thank you for that, and thank you for everyone who supports and continues to support the show. Okay, on to the final story of the day. A team of scientists in New Mexico are making the birds aren't real, they're actually drones conspiracy theory. A conspiracy fact, which is odd because most people who promote that theory are only doing so jokingly and don't actually believe it. Well, joke's on you, 
because these scientists have gone around and collected a pile of dead birds and they're now converting their corpses into drones. Don't joke around about conspiracies. This is what will happen to you, okay? The reason they're doing this, according to the lead researcher, whose name is Mustafa Hassanin Arina from the New Mexico Institute of Mining and Technology, they're doing this because mechanical bird drones weren't yielding good enough results. And the guy said that they turned this dead bird, these dead birds into drones so that they could reverse engineer them. In fact, here's the creepster himself talking about digging out the insides of these dead fowls and turning them into flying drones. And I should say this, for those just listening, this video, about the first 30 seconds of it, shows two dudes in some lab playing around with dead birds with an orange remote control. Clearly, birds with robot pieces attached to it. We came with this idea that we can use and re-engineer birds and dead birds and make them as a drone. And the only thing that we need to provide them to make them alive is to basically design an actuation mechanism, put it in their body, and everything is there. So we do reverse engineering. We'll calculate what has been the weight of the bird while it was alive, what has been its flapping frequency, what flapping angle they have flapped, and just create something similar. All right, well, that was some interesting insight into how these scientists do their good work. I mean, who knew that smiling creepily while molesting a dead bird's body on camera, like you're about to have sex with it, was part of the reverse engineering process. This very creepy scientist told the Business Insider that if we learn how these birds manage energy between themselves, we can apply that into the future aviation industry to save more energy and save more fuel. That's just like a climate change thing here. This dude's trying to lower his carbon footprint by shoving drones inside cocks. He went on to say, The bird drone prototype can only fly for a maximum of 20 minutes, so scientists will work to develop a drone that can spend more time in the air and perform tests among live birds. You see? You won't know which ones are real or which ones are drones. Birds aren't real. And they even address that in the article here saying that the research also unwittingly narrowly aligns with the peculiar Gen Z conspiracy theory that suggests birds aren't real. Which this guy said he had never heard of up until he was doing this, probably because he was spending way too much time with dead animal carcasses. Okay. I don't think I could do research with a guy who is that happy to be that handsy with a dead bird. Don't raise your eyebrows at me like you're grabbing a girl's backside while you're flipping a dead bird around in your hands. That's just creepy, dude. Couldn't do it. I think I'm going to wrap the show up on that note there. Go into the XR. Thank you guys for listening, for watching. If you like the show, share it with a friend. We'll talk to you next time. Leave a, a good rating. It warms my heart. At Freedom Act Radio on Twitter, youtube.com slash Brad Binkley, rumble.com slash the prop report, I think. Propaganda Fight is the website. We'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.